Hello, this is Janice Alpert and welcome to On Purpose, a podcast where we meet interesting people. Today is not an exception who tell us a little bit about their story and how they find their purpose and hopefully to motivate you to, if you're not already on it, to figure out what it might be and then get on it so your life is a little more fulfilled. Today, our guest is Rita Haley. Hi, Rita. Hi, Janice. So nice to have you and we appreciate you giving us your time and your story. Um, No, thank you for inviting me. Oh, great. So really, I just start off, I don't really, I did look you up a little bit, but I really like it to be organic. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, where'd you grow up? And All right. Well, I grew up in Plymouth, Massachusetts, where the Pilgrims landed. Uh, okay, sure. I do have, my life is rather complicated. So the first seven years of my life actually was in a little town called Millis, which is um, a suburb of Boston. It's like Metro West area. Uh-huh. My mom was a single mom. She got married to the man who eventually adopted me and I called dad. And then we moved to Plymouth. So I really feel like I grew up in Plymouth. I graduated okay. high school, grew up on the ocean. Love the so nice. My sister lives in Boston. So it's just so, yeah. such a great town. Yep. Yeah. So that's um, the ocean had a big influence on some of my life choices. And it kind of led me, honestly, it led me into studying marine science, marine oh, biology wow. in college. I joined okay. the Coast Guard. Did you have any brothers or sisters or? I do. I have, it's complicated. So my biological father, I have three siblings, two okay. older brothers and an older sister. Okay. And from my mom and my adopted dad, um, who's my dad, I have two younger brothers. Oh, okay. So you have a big yeah. family. I do have a big family. Mm-hmm. And do you, they all live, I mean, you're still in the Massachusetts area or? My youngest brothers are, my parents and my youngest brothers are all still in Plymouth. Okay. And my um, half siblings, uh, one is in Massachusetts and then the other two are in South Carolina. Oh, and I just okay. visited with them back in September. Okay. And I used September in March and I'm going again in September. Okay. I don't know. It's the heat. I can't remember. Oh, please. The heat, the rain, <laughs> the like crazy weather we're having these days. I know. I know. Um, and so are you still in the Plymouth area yourself or? I'm actually in the Worcester area. So I'm in South Central Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So just back. So grammar school, high school, you always had an interest in biology or marine biology and the ocean. Biology, the ocean, animals in general, and this idea of helping the environment. Oh, okay. Oh, you were, you were very, uh. One, we need you desperately now, but that was your kind of new. I mean, that's like you were ahead of the game here. So, yay. All right. And where, and where'd you go to college? And I went to uh, UMass Boston. Okay. I was terrified to live in a dorm. And I don't know why, but I thought UMass Boston doesn't have a dorm. So I bypassed that. I could have gone anywhere in Massachusetts. But anyway, and I commuted to school. And, and then unexpectedly, while I was in college and I was in a Coast Guard student reserve program. So I was a reservist while I was in school. Wow. I became pregnant. I got pregnant very not on purpose. Not on purpose. (laughs) Oh, not on purpose. Well, that does happen. Yes. Uh, and that we, was we encourage people to take precautions in that area. Um, but yes, go ahead. Or I encourage you. Absolutely. And else does, but I do. Yes, go ahead. Um, so as you can imagine, that was a, uh, a huge life changer. And, and that really did reset 
um, completely reset the trajectory of where I wanted to go in my life. But I do feel like where I ended up, where I am today is 100% on purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So wait, I want so just go back. You kind of threw in there that you were in the Coast Guard Reserves. Yeah. Yeah. So how did how did that? Well, my family is big military. My both of my adopted dad and my biological father were both in the army. In fact, my biological father served in World War II. Oh, really? Uh, my yeah. You look kind of young to have a World War II. I mean, my dad fought in World War II. I mean, he's past sense, well, but he was quite a bit older than my mom. Oh, okay. Um, so he passed away uh, probably a decade ago, and he was okay. eighty. So yeah, he was okay. a lot older at the time of my birth. Um, and I had other family members who were in the military, and I always kind of I don't know. I almost I came this close, very very close to joining the Navy uh, when I was oh. in high school, and I changed my mind the <laughs> last second. Um, but I can't remember really the the origin of it, but I, I do remember um, in college, you know, again, kind of planning my future, thinking about, you know, working in science, doing research. Um, my dream was to work for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Wow. Okay. And so, so you always, there was always some part of you though that always wanted to help the environment, interested in animals, Mm-hmm. Um, the ocean was like your, like you had a like passion, calling. was your calling Absolutely. and you knew Absolutely. that from the, the young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love when people kind of, if they're blessed enough that they know, I mean, I don't know what you're doing now, but then you'll tell us, but anyways, but that was, yeah. that was something that you, you felt at a very young age, you felt it on the inside. It wasn't like people mm-hmm. were saying you have to do this. It was just Correct. within, within your own soul. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So that meanwhile, now you're in college and you- I'm in college. Somehow my interest in the military must have still been in, in, a, in a focal point. And I, um, I somehow came upon this program in the Coast Guard and I thought that's perfect. It's part time, it's military, it's Coast Guard, which is really kind of like specialized and it's not really Department of Defense. At that time, it was Department of Transportation. Now it's all security, oh. <laughs> but okay. anyways- um, I thought this is perfect. Working for the government is a great way to later work for the government. Okay. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. I loved the Coast Guard, but becoming a mother and being in college still and doing Coast Guards when my son was about six months old, um, I was assigned to do my two weeks active duty, which is obligatory. Right. I know my, my, my husband actually, I mean, this is like 50 odd years ago, but he was in the Marine Reserve. So I always remember I, it for yeah. six months. And go those ahead. two weeks, you have to go where yeah. you have to go. And I said to my commanding officer, have a newborn. Like I can't, I don't have anyone to watch him while I just go off for two weeks. And he said, you know, write to the Admiral of First District, Massachusetts is in First District and uh, see See if they'll waiver it for you. And they didn't. They denied my request. And I went back to my CO and I said, they didn't approve it. I don't know what to do. And he said, you either serve the two weeks or you you ask for a, a resignation. And wow. So I, I did. I did. But was that super disappointing at that time? It was. Um, but I, again, going with the theme of your program, you know, that that was a, an intentional decision I made. You know, I chose being a mother um, over yep. a career, really. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't regret it. Never once have I ever 
Any of us that are moms, we hear, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> and I'm a career person, but still, kids yep. usurp that uh, always. And now, you know, now I have grandkids, whatever. So, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yep. Not, not always so, easy decision, but. It's not an easy decision, you know. Um, and it's not something that you ever look back sometimes and wonder, mm-hmm. my life has been light. And then I say, well, it doesn't matter because your life is this. <laughs> so, well. Yes, that is so important because so, so often people will replay and, I, and they'll start with, oh, well, I regret this and I regret that. And I go, hey, you don't know how your life would have turned out. And here's where you are now. And mm-hmm. why don't instead do like what you're saying, Rita, which is let's examine that. And let's say, hmm, maybe that was um, a good thing that happened. Certainly bringing a new life into the world and someone you love and adore. How can that necessarily be a bad thing? Um, challenging. Perhaps, yes. Mm-hmm. But um doesn't mean, you know, that if you if that hadn't happened, whatever you thought your dream was, maybe it wasn't. Because that's the thing about life. And I always say this, usually I try to say this on almost every podcast. Our purpose can change throughout our life. It doesn't have to be one thing. And we have to be a little flexible and to listen to our inner voice. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Um so that was Zine. It was hard. Yeah, go ahead. Chose my son and I finished college. Um, I happened to meet, um, my husband while I was in college. He's not the father of my child, my oldest anyways. Um, we got married. Um, he adopted my son and then we had two children together. I love him. That's so nice. <laughs> no, that's really, that's a big commitment. I assume he was, yeah, oh, I, know, I don't know how old he was, but it's still a big commitment. And then you, and then you have two younger ones as well. Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay. Uh-huh. So now you... So you had to resign from the Coast Guard, you meet this lovely man, you marry, you have two more kids. And then what was going on inside for you, like as far as what you were doing? And Uh, I ended up working um, in education programs. Oh, okay. So my first job out of college was working for Mass Audubon Society, teaching um, farm programs and life, you know. So uh, still animal, still animal. animal. Mm hmm. Okay. And, and uh, did you remember like horses and being on a farm? So oh, I could see that you were very, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, did, and did you, I mean, was that something like you were feeling like, okay, this is good. I'm enjoying this. Or were you still, yeah. Still thinking, oh, yeah. I don't know. I want to be in the water. Okay. No, I, I really did. Um, I guess you could say adapt to my new, mm-hmm. you know, being a mother and um, being a wife and, you know, managing a home and working part-time and I, I was very happy okay um I love doing the the farm and and environmental you know education and the woman who was my director mm-hmm. is working on her doctorate in in at Harvard in some sort of like very interesting but I can't for the life of me remember the title of it but it was a, like a, a dumb person though go ahead <laughs> Right. And it wasn't just a doctor in education, you know, it's like a doctor, it was a doctor in, in some in urban development, some, you know, some very big thing that, that I, I may not understand, but go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I probably can't remember what it was. It was like beyond my intellect capacity, but mm-hmm. she absolutely was another huge part, which is a shame why I can't remember the, the title uh, of her degree, but she really made me rethink what education is okay and she would have these workshops where she would give out these little you know these little slips of paper that had a question and she would just have us 
you know, the participants of this workshop, which were other teachers in the that worked for Mass Audubon Society. And and she'd just say, like, I just want you to think about this question. It would be like, you know, what actually is learning? How would you define it? Like, oh, like, seems well, so like, simple, like, but like, like no, those are deep. Like, what's the meaning of life questions? But yeah. regarding education, because really, how, what is what? How does learning take place? What is learning? Mm-hmm. You know, we know it happens, but what's the how? What's the process? Exactly. Um, there was another one that she had given us that was a little bit bigger than just a question. And it it kind of said something, you know, I'm inclined not to blame the learner when, you know, in an educational process, the student is unable to learn. And I, it was like a little head blowing emoji. I was just like, whoa, what? Oh, <laughs> so I got, I love that philosophy because anyone that, you know, I mean, I've been in the practicing for over 40 years. So I've had many kids with learning disabilities or processing problems, not because they're not bright or, you know, whatever, they just, their brain doesn't work that way. So then you have to, as the teacher or therapist or whatever, you have to work in a different way. I have some, I have someone that when I ask, if I asked her over the years, years ago, if I ask her like, well, what do you think you're feeling? She goes like this, you know, I can't process that question. Just tell me what you think I'm feeling and let's work on that. And it was so the antithesis of how I was trained. But with her, that's what I had to do. I would have to say, because I would, I knew that I knew what she was feeling. I thought I was pretty sure I did. And then she almost always, you know, kind of validated that. But she couldn't, she couldn't go there that way. So you just kind of have to go with what you're given and help as a teacher and understand as a student with compassion that yeah. they're not being rude or what, or, Whatever. They just can't think that way. So that was, I love that. All right. So go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's all, she just was profound and it really uh, made me think about, you know, what is learning? Mm -hmm. What what does that mean to be a teacher? How do we teach? So that also kind of shifted a trajectory for me. I always thought, you know, once my kids are older, I'll go back, I'll get my master's, you know, maybe my doctorate, and I will continue down the path of science and research and so forth. Okay. And to me, it was like on pause. Okay. But this completely made me rethink my interests. And I started working more in the education field. Wow. And I, I always liked, I mean, I love little kids love babies. But in terms of working with and teaching, I liked adolescents. Okay. Love adolescents. Right? Yes. So, so, um, that was my whole practice was adolescents. Uh, I mean, up until like the last 10 or 15 years, but oh, now, I, now it takes, to, you know, you need a long time to treat an adolescent. So, but I, I that was the main of my uh, practice. I love adolescents. So go ahead. Me too. And um, I got my license as an educator for middle school kids. So when you graduated um, college, you, you didn't have an education degree. Not at all. Okay. Nope. So you went back to get a middle school certificate or whatever you needed to teach middle school. And really, I just needed, because I had a degree to get the, prelim, it's called a pre- preliminary license. In Massachusetts, you need a college degree and then certain types of courses okay. um, to apply and qualify for that license. And you have to pass the Massachusetts teacher's exam for licensure called the MTEL. Okay. So I passed that test. Um, I had, I just needed a psychology class in you know, adolescent psychology. I took that at like a state school and um, I got my very preliminary license, which allows you to teach under Massachusetts law. Okay. 
And it gives you time to get, there's two other levels of license. So that right. the in, that's like the first one. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm a teacher now. <laughs> and did you, you, did you get a job at a middle school? I worked part-time okay. um, for a um, youth program. It's this huge agency in Worcester that is like community mental health based, but they have programs for education. Mm -hmm. um, and I did, I was a title one tutor in a residential program okay. for adolescent males. Um, another wow. time I was a, a science teacher um, in an alternative, well, still in that program for, um, it was upward bound. So it was like an extracurricular type of a program to help adolescent, managed adolescents kind of, again, help them feel good about learning. Right. Um, and it was uh, oriented to help them for college preparation. Okay. And on the inside, you felt you were on a good path? I felt like I was on a good path. I, I felt very connected to this work. You know, it felt very meaningful for me um, because I was helping. And then I... And you were giving back. I was giving back and I seemed to have a knack for it. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed working with the teenagers. I, I get, I'm like a performer, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I got a lot of good training working for Ewing. Um, they weren't just like, here you go, like figure it out. They were like, okay, you're going to go through two weeks of orientation and training on how to work with kids with mental illness, behavior right. disorders, mm -hmm. uh, learning disability, yes. so forth. So it was a lot of the behavioral management. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. Mm -hmm. it so a little science is still science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little education, a little psychology, uh, mm -hmm. kind of combined, it sounds like. Exactly. Um and it well, it was a it was hard work, um, and sometimes very sad because a lot of these you know kids didn't have all the privileges that that I have. Um, so it's very eye opening in in that regard, and um, very emotionally you know charged. Um, but I did love it. I did that part time, and then decided you know my kids obviously were getting older. And when my youngest um, was about to enter, she's getting close to going to kindergarten. I said, all right, it's time to go back for my master's. What do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And it was between um, school psychologist mm -hmm. or a uh, licensed psychotherapist. And I, I pursued the therapist. Wow. I support that, but I'd support anything. That you <laughs> so here you had the education and then you also got some psychology, you know, mentoring or whatever, dealing with mm -hmm. these more, you know, challenging uh, mm -hmm. kids and who, who had not as many advantages as you and I probably have had. And so you yes. decided to go into psychology. I decided to go into psychology and no. part of the, yes, um, part of the reason when I would be working with these kids um, you know, I'm trying to teach them science and sometimes they'd like just start talking to me mm -hmm. and I am an empath. So of course I feel a lot of emotion. I want to help <laughs> yeah, I want to cry. No, but so uh, <laughs> I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I want to help them, but I need to teach them science. You know, like I need to teach them. I get it. And I didn't really know what to do with that information other than just validate them and try to comfort them and, and be supportive. Um, and that's plenty, by the way. Go ahead. Right. And I just and so it really 
I had some kids say, you know, you should be a psychologist. And I'd say, why? And they'd say, because you're really easy to talk to. Okay. Message from the universe. Message from the universe. From the universe. Or I've had other people say, you know, you're a really good listener. And I'm like, okay, thank you. So um, I I listened to that. Like, I really took that to heart. And um, I decided to pursue my master's in in counseling psychology um Mm -hmm. and after i got my master's um well while i was working on my master's i did my clinical internship and practicum in a school setting okay just so you know i'm exhausted listening to you i'm thinking of the three (laughs) kids working part-time going to school i don't know you like it was hard it was sleep i don't know well i gained about 25 pounds I'm going to say you had to do something to keep yourself awake and alive. I don't know. The, the exercise in the gym was like, I'm lucky, you know, if I get it, make it to the grocery store. My weekends were spent in my bedroom reading and writing papers. And I, I graduated I, with a 4.0. I of course you did. Hello, Chip. <laughs> Are we shocked by that already? I only know you for 25 minutes. I don't, I don't think we're shocked by that, but go ahead. It's really hard. Well, I still had in my mind, like, I'd love to go get my my doctorate. Like, that was always just something I aspired to. And I said, okay. I got I to gotta nail it in math, you know, in my master's program, if that's something I want to pursue. And many people who were at the PhD level said, don't do it. Don't do it because it's going to be a lot of money. You're going to have an educational mortgage when you come out of it. And if you want to be a therapist and that's all, unless you want to teach at university or you want to do testing or research, then all you need is the masters because all you need is the license and Mm -hmm. that's what you need. And I, again, I listen, I'm like, what I'm going to share one of my, one of my stories about myself, I don't know if I even know that, but when I turned 40 a long time ago and I was um, already in practice for a while, but, um, I my I was divorced and my alimony was about to end and I thought oh my god how am I going to make more money I better go get my doctorate I'll get more clients with a, with a doctorate versus a master's so I remember I looked up the local schools in the Chicago area I found one they had a course available this was all within a, about a one week period before you know internet or cell phones so I called up and said hold that spot and I drove all the way downtown which from my house to downtown is about forty minutes in per and that's in perfect traffic and the whole way I'm driving down going. Am I and I had two had two kids, um, and I remember thinking, how much more business do I think I'm going to get with a PhD? When I think about the time and money, now I'm not saying don't get a PhD. By the way, listener, if that's Correct. what you want to do or a doctorate, of course, go do it and whatever. But I ended up turning all the way around, drove all the way downtown, which again was and came all the way home, called the person back and said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And here I am, whatever it is, thirty odd years later. Um, never did get that doctorate and um, ended up still being pretty successful. So, you know, you have to, these are all things that you weigh within yourself. So you might have a dream like that's really what I want. And then when the push comes to shove, just because you might decide that that dream is no longer you know, feasible, that doesn't mean you still can't do whatever it is you want to do that you love and that is going to give you you know meaning and purpose in your life. So I, I hear you. And and it, it yeah, same. I was just thinking that like that doesn't mean other people shouldn't right. pursue their you know doctorate or their dream it, or or that that's not a value because it is a value. And of I think course. people that pursue it are amazing. amazing. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I again, that's why I wanted to make sure I said that. I'm I yeah. I like think that's wonderful. And if you want to go get a higher 
I I grew up in a family. My father was a tailor. Um, and then when he came back from World War II, and he decided to go to college and law school and became a lawyer at 42. So in my family, education opened up doors. So I was taught at a young age. So I believe in education. Let me just say that. So where, whatever you want to do, go. I'm just saying we also have to listen to our own soul. So even though that was my goal, ultimately was to get a doctorate, not just what after I finished my master's as well, I thought going down the road here, I think I'm going to get a a, a a doctorate in psychology of some sort. And then when push came to shove, I went, you know what? I can't do it. I can't work, raise two children. And I just kept thinking about all those papers. And I went, I just can't do it. Um, yeah, I couldn't. So and, to know and you're I'm glad this. I listened because it was hard getting my master's mm-hmm. because of, as you said, family. Yeah. Um, husband, pets, home, other family, you know, my parents, right. aging parents, the whole thing. Yeah. And, and it's a big commitment. And, um, and I, you know, getting through my master's program, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I have the stamina to do that another, who knows how many years. Exactly. We know already after we worked on a master's, we know it was, I, I got my master's with two kids. Mm-hmm. So we already know with the master's how much work it is. And so that's all I kept thinking is, the PhD will be a couple of years longer. I'm going to do it part time. And now I'm working more to support myself. How am I going to do this? And I just went, no, can't do it. Right. And I think that is a you're making a decision for yourself. And and again, it's like you might be giving up a dream where it, there's loss there. It's right. Like, huh. Of course. But if in your souls, if if inside you're going, just know this is too much, then you have to trust that it, it's okay. It, it doesn't mean that you're you're still not going to do whatever it is that you want to do in your life that's going to touch you and then, of course, help others. Mm-hmm. So just be open. So again, and I, I agree. if you want to go get that doctorate or whatever, um, of course, but if you really feel it's too much, that's okay too. And I always say that's today, you know, honor where you are today. Exactly. Things could change tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe I'll be 60 and I'll say, now is my time. You know what? <laughs> you know. Hey, Eric, listen, I'm se- I'm in my 70s, whatever. I'm doing a podcast. I don't say no to anything. Maybe I'll go back and get my PhD. I right. doubt that, but you never know. <laughs> I, I would never close the door to anything. I just won't. Absolutely. So, um, right. So that you know, my- time. And then I think that's what you're saying every day. I think I said that, that maybe yeah. in 10 years, I'll go back if I need to, or five years, so that it wasn't completely closed. And that's always helpful to keep that little door open if it's something that you really felt like at one point in your life, like, no, this is really important to me. Um, maybe I'll do it later. Have an expiration date. I, I say that to, to my adolescent um, you know, clientele or when I worked in a school, my students, you know, and they were kind of like, I'm not sure if I want to go to college right away or, you mm-hmm. know, if this is right for me. I say, there's no expiration date on it. Exactly. You know, don't like any time. Correct. Right. And just because you're not ready today doesn't mean you won't be ready tomorrow or next week or next year. Agreed. And the other thing I, I've also said to adolescents is not everybody has to go. You could go work and take two classes. It doesn't have to be that you live and maybe someone doesn't want to live in a dorm like Brita or whatever. Yep. You don't have to. There's all kinds of ways to enrich your life. Maybe you want to get a certificate. Maybe you want to go to a, a trade school. It, it, you know, just 
Again, it's listening to that inner soul of where you are and what you feel at 20. Maybe you'll feel differently at 30 or 40. Because again, love that. There's no expiration date. I think that's great. All right, expiration so date. So you finished your master's. Finished my master's. And then um, what? Started working in a community-based mental health uh, agency doing um, in-home therapy. Okay. Um, in Massachusetts to get our LMHC, our licensed mental health counselor license, um, we have to do about 3,300 hours direct service. Wow. A mental, like in a, in a community base, so it could be hospital uh-huh. school or, um, and this is postmasters. So it could be a community-based mental health center, hospital school, anything that's uh-huh. in the community can't do private practice or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, Hey, I've already been in a school. I'm going to get a job doing outpatient therapy or in-home intensive, you know, home-based therapy to kind of get that experience as a provider working toward my license. I was working like 60 hours a week oh, <laughs> and goodness, it's fee for service and it was a high cancellation rate and it was a lot of pressure and I wasn't very happy and it not because it was hard. Like I loved my, my clientele, but it was just the agency I worked for. It was just difficult, stressful, yeah. stressful. It was very stressful. And I feel like I was putting in a lot of hours, but I wasn't really getting compensated, um, for, for the hours I was working. And one of my, um, classmates, had, who we graduated together, she was working for our old internship supervisor okay. in school, running therapeutic programs and okay. being a clinician in a school. And she said, I know he's looking for help if you're interested. Uh-huh. And this was like in December. It was the December after I graduated and graduated that spring. And I said, yes, please let him know I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And And before the end of the year, I was, I was working for him again, um, but as a professional and, and while I worked for him, um, I got enough, um, postmasters hours to apply for, um, a license school adjustment counselor. It's also called school social worker license okay. in the department of education. And then, um, I think it was shortly thereafter, I, I, I've got my hours and I got my LMHC. So I have two licenses. You must have a lot of letters after your name. You've earned them. You've earned them. Yeah, that's okay. You worked hard, young lady, and you earned them. So, so, and is that what you're doing now or what's? So I was working in a school setting, um, full time. And my clinical supervisor, we had worked together at UINC, and then she was my supervisor for my internship. She, after I graduated, um, she said, you should open a private practice. This is actually after I got my license, not after I graduated. After I got my license, she said, you should open a private practice. And I said, oh, like, you know, scary. I like, Philly, I just got my training wheels off. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. And she said... I can help you. She said, I even can get you office space to rent. Um, she was working full time as a school adjustment counselor. She's like, I do it one day after uh, one day a week after school. I can okay. really get contracts with the commercial insurance companies, help you set up. And she did. And right. so I started my own little side hustle, uh, my own little private practice That's for you. And I worked in the school, you know, full time. 
and I did my business on the side. And um, during the pandemic, it became really difficult. I I also got trained when I was working um, for Dr. Rosen, Paul Rosen, who was my my supervisor, mentor, boss. Your buddy. Um, yeah, my buddy. The school I was working in embraced something called um, positive behavior intervention systems. Okay. And um, it uses a lot of like the ABA, the behavior science. Uh-huh. And I really loved that. And so running therapeutic programs, you really need that strong behavioral component mm-hmm. with the social emotional learning, which is all right, the counseling, the skills. And um, when the pandemic came, I was running therapeutic programs in another school district and that behavior component became impossible. It's hard to to manage behavior when that child is brought in your presence. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and so it just, it got really hard and I just decided, you know, and I work with my own therapist and, and she said, maybe it's time to step away from the chaos, Rita, you know, maybe it's time to just do your practice full time and you don't have to put yourself through all this stress. Exactly. It's enough. Seems like a no-brainer, right? Uh, but sometimes when we're in it, that's why we have other people in our life to help us on our, our journey. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, but I have this other license that I worked really hard for. I feel like I should be using it. <laughs> she you are. Said, I understand, but I'm also hearing you say you're like really stressed. Right. Even before the pandemic, mm-hmm. I was very stressed. The job was very overwhelming. Um, just cause it's, there's a lot of things out of your control and a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to sure, sure. fix things that, you know, I, my, again, my, my colleague, um, who got me into the private practice, we would talk about this and she'd say, it's almost like they expect us to cure poverty oh. or mental illness yeah. or, you know, well, neurodivergence. It's All right. Probably beyond one's pay grade here, whatever then. And it's, it's honestly, it's innocent. It's just a lack of understanding by like administrators of like what mental health really is about and what treatment is about. It's not about curing. It's about treating. Exactly. Managing. Yep. And support, you know, in a school, it's providing interventions and support. Right. Promote growth. Right. Um, in outpatient therapy, you know, we're providing therapeutic interventions to promote growth. Exactly. And that's where that's our limitation. So exactly. So practice said you can walk away from the chaos, Rita. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And, and on your inside, and on your inside, did you like feel like I think she has a point? Yes. Okay. So there again, always listening to the inner voice. And is that what so is that kind of what you're doing now? Is you're in private practice and I'm in private practice. Yep. Mm-hmm. How do you, and how are you feeling about that? really good okay so you feel like you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing I do even when I was in the school I um I would say to people you know and they'd say well what did you want to be when you grew up Rita and I'd say I wanted to be both well I wanted to be an ichthyologist I wanted to study fish and the relationship between fish 
and their environment, right? Fish behavior and how the environment affects fish. Such a their environment. I want to see the relationship of fish and human beings. I go, oh, are there? Is there <laughs> other other than I do? Eat. Like last night, I had swordfish. I don't know. It was kind of tasty. <laughs> right. Or my husband had crab legs. I don't know. <laughs> so you're enjoying what you're, even though that was your dream, you know. So uh, I. That is kind of my my little joke. Like I went from wanting to study fish mm-hmm. and the, their relationship with their environment to studying human beings and the relationship they have with their environment. So, so I'm so like, you so you just took a little shit. It's actually not that different. I gotta feel like it's just a little switcheroo. Yeah, it's all change from fish to human beings. But meanwhile, what I what I love before we wrap up is that you your path, and I always say this to you know almost again almost every episode is that it's, it's not always a straight path and sometimes it veers and sometimes we have to have some stressful moments. But if, if and we have to have people in our life that are going to support us and maybe help us shift and, and know that, you know what, that's okay. Not only is it okay to do, it's part of really what we're here to do. Um, and, and, then, and then when we do it, which is what you're doing now, it sounds like you feel aligned. You feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And all these bumps in the road were just little whatever, bumps to get you where you are right now i feel like it was um the universe kind of yep. directing me like this is you know this might be where you want to go but this is where we're gonna send you uh-huh oh, it's gonna work out like it's gonna work out that's hey i feel like if we listen the the universe or however you want to call it has our back and so when we listen things go well when we don't they're just gonna put another stumbling block there until they get our attention so I always say if something's not feeling exactly right and we're stressed to the max, the, hello, then we need to make a right turn, left turn, veer, whatever we need to do. And if we do that, even if it's scary and it feels like, I don't know, and I put in all this other work on whatever. See, like I feel education is never a waste of time, never a waste of energy, never a waste of anything. So if, even if we're not using that exact thing, it's still we're using it, whatever we learned on our road to get there. So, great. Rita, you're amazing. The things you've done. Oh, like, thank you. you are. No, so I, I'm proud. You should be proud. I'm proud of you. And I don't really know you. You should be. All right. So if you were going to say something like give like some just personal advice to someone who's like, I really want to switch jobs or I'm in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe I should get out of it. Or I want to have a kid, but I don't know if I should or I should have another kid. Whatever. All the decisions we have in life, big ones, little ones, et cetera. Um, and their inner voice is kind of telling them, so any thoughts that you would say of like, how do you listen to it, even if it's scary, like to get to their purpose? Right. Well, you know, uh, um, there's this uh, recording I listen to that inspires me. One of the messages is go to the places that scare you, mm-hmm. which sounds counterintuitive. And I always think of that because the way we overcome fear is to face it. Totally. And oftentimes you know, the thing that we think is really scary may not be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I think something we innately fear is change and the unfamiliar. Hey, I don't know if you know who Pema Chodron is, but she's That's a- who I was thinking about when I said yes. this. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a, she's a North American, the first North American Buddhist monk. She's probably in her eighties now, but she has a million books, but one of them is living with uncertainty. And she has, and then I don't know if she's the one that wrote the full bloom Lotus. I think that's Thich Nhat Shane or whatever his name is. But bottom line is, I'm blown away that you just said her name. Cause I'm like, no, that's the fearless heart. That's the, that's my quote from yes. one of her weekend retreats called fearless heart. 
Okay, Rita, you and I are on this. I must, now. I must have read your. Now, it's not, but if the quote I had right now was from her, then I'd really be freaking out. It's a different quote, but it could have been from Pema Children because I love her. And I still, I always have her book, one of her books by my bedside. I might just read a page because I try to have something um, enlightening or filled with enlightenment, just a page here or there each day, minimum, besides my meditation to keep me connected. Because, you know, when you think about, how, how does one know what the universe wants for them? Or how does one listen? You have to be quiet. You have to be yeah. still a little bit. So yeah. it takes work because my mind is going 24 mi- a million miles an hour all day long. And so I, I got a lot of things going on in there. Well, my husband always says his mind is a little crazy. He always goes, I would not want to be in your brain. I go, tell me about it. <laughs> I there. Um, anyways, thank you so much. I love that, that we do have to face our fears and... And trust that it will it will work out. So great. Continued success with all you do. And you're amazing. So nice to meet you. All right. Thank you very much. I always end with a quote. So this is the one I happen to pick today. It's actually by Picasso. Um, I haven't been in New York this weekend. I was in the Museum of Modern Art, but that's not why I picked this. Anyways, this is just I picked it because it just hit me. And here, here we go. So the meaning of life is to find your gift. And the purpose of life is to give that gift away. Kind of what we were talking about is that you find if you find your purpose and your passion, then one, you are going to give it away. And that's going to also give back to you. Yep. So uh, next silence. Uh, OK, he knew something. OK, <laughs> Rita, all the best. Thank you so much. We're going to appreciate it. So nice meeting you. And on that note, um, this is Janice Albert, uh, hoping that you're doing your life with purpose, maybe even on purpose, and that you have a good rest of uh, your day. Until next time. Bye bye. 